Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about art direction. We're talking to a guy named Nolan Nasser from Deepwater Games. He's an artist. He's an art director himself. He knows what he's talking about. Nolan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Gabe. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. This is something that a lot of people have kind of asked me about, mainly because they don't fully grasp what it is as far as like, what is art direction? It's got to be more than just finding pictures on Google Images and putting them on cards, right? There's got to be more to it than that. And so I'm excited to talk to you about that today. But just in case people never heard of you, never heard of Deepwater Games, give me your bio, how you got into game design, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I've got uh, like a, a really like a long bio leading up to like art direction and deep water games and stuff like that. But like the, the main thing was is that out of college, I got a job working, uh, doing artwork for greater than games. And they, uh, they, they became one of my major clients and, uh, they also kind of propelled my career into the board game industry. And like prior to that, I was already a really big board gamer. Uh, I was a man, I was managing a game store. Uh, and that's actually how I, how I found out about greater than games hiring. And so I, I, uh, started working with Greater Than Games. They propelled my career uh, and, and into the game industry. Uh, and I mean, I you know, I should probably give myself a little credit. I also, uh, as an artist, was like I was. I worked really hard to get uh, to to do good work in in board games uh, because I loved them. They were I was extremely passionate about them. Uh, and so that that sort of propelled my career into games. And then uh, about last year, I decided that I wanted to try venturing into uh, the publishing side of things. And uh, uh, in between there, uh, I did art direction for a couple other companies, and I'm now doing art direction for the games Deepwater publishes. Very cool, man. Now, what are some of the games that you've worked on? Uh, as far as uh, art, as far as doing artwork for uh, some of the big ones that uh, people may have heard of is like Spirit Island. So Spirit Island was the first game I did artwork for ever, and uh, and it's also one of the most recent games that came out. So there was a lot long time uh, that it was in in production. Uh, but I, I did uh, like almost like half, like maybe half of the base cards or something for that for that game, and did a lot of the spirits in that game. Uh, and then uh, I I did the artwork for Fate of the Elder Gods, yeah. um, New Bedford, uh, another another big one actually uh, right now, which is a kind of a really exciting topic to talk about is uh, Groves, uh, which was uh, published by Lediman Games. Um, but Groves, it's a really interesting topic to talk about Groves on this episode because I did the art and art direction for that game. Yeah, no, that'll be really good to talk about in a minute. I want to, I want to ask you about different examples yeah. and different things as far as Definitely. that goes. But first, before we even get into this, really, what yeah. is art direction? Like, let's get a good working definition. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I feel like there's probably people who have way better <laughs> definitions of what art direction is uh, than I do. But I, for me, it's uh, it, it's coming up and, and, and developing a, a style and, and feeling and tone for whatever art, whatever project that you need artwork for. And then also properly conveying that to an artist and and and, and managing the art managing uh the the artists that are working uh on your on on your world your ip whatever you have artists working on if they're you know just working on your game like uh coming up with uh d- d- you know developing all of the, the the materials that an artist would need to to properly uh see your vision um, or or you know the, the the designer's vision of the game properly see that that vision out 
Yeah, I guess. And I think vision is really the key word. Like you have to have an idea right. in your head about what yes. literally what the direction of the art needs right. to go in and then be able to convey that. And that's a whole another set of skills Right, getting it out of your head and into actual communication, whether it's writing or, or, or speaking is a totally another thing we'll talk about in just a moment. Precisely. But it's, it's you yep. have to have this this bigger picture, this bigger idea of what the game right. overall needs to look like and then kind of make the cards and the board and the box and all that good stuff kind of exactly. go in that same direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Like, you know, the, the designer of a game has a vision for what it should look like. And and then they, they, if they take it to a publisher, the publisher has a vision of what that should look like. And then the art director has to help like convey that vision to an artist so that the artist can you know fulfill that vision. <laughs> yeah, so the art director is really like a middleman between Very much. designer, publisher, and the artist, right? Yes, yeah, definitely. Gotcha. And now let's talk about why this is important. Because I've got some examples I want to bring up in just a minute about why, <laughs> like, what, yeah. if you don't do a good job, what this <laughs> leads to. But like, give me your opinion as an art director, why this is such an important thing and so important for designers to be aware of with their game projects. Right. So, I mean, <clears throat> if you if you have a vision for your project and you uh, don't know how to properly convey that, uh, A, it's going to make working with an artist very difficult. And it's going to ultimately end up in, in, in probably not the product that you want. Right. And y if you want to make a great product, you need to have a, a very clear, uh, concise idea of how to convey that, convey that, uh, convey what you want. And so an art director's, I, I would generally say, like, are probably uh, really great at interpreting, you know, the, the visions of uh, or, or the ideas of, of designers and publishers and what they want, coming up with, like, what that uh, what, what would be good for the market, what would be good for uh, just the target audience in general, and then also conveying that to the artist so that the artist can uh, have the, the, the easiest and most like smooth, smoothest time working, working on it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think the word product, and again, that, yeah. that word comes up a lot, you know, talking to yeah. publishers and designers. And like, right. you're not making a game, you're making a product, you're making something that Precisely. people want to buy. And so right. the arts needs to get them to want to buy it. Ultimately, you need to have some kind of emotional uh, response from people that they say, hey, I'm going to take money out of my pocket and I'm going to give it to you for, yeah. in exchange for this thing that I think is really cool looking. Right. So I, yeah, exactly. When it, when it comes to, you know, th there's always that, there's that age old saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But the, <laughs> right. the fact is, is that, you know, when it comes to books and games and things like that, the, the first thing you judge it by is the artwork. And, 100%. And it's just natural. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that's actually, actually leads into an example of, of, there's a game called Mountains of Madness, which is a pretty good yes. game. It's a game by Rob Davio. And yep. it ran into some, into some interesting art direction issues once it was published because the cover, which is beautiful, like the cover, uh, the box cover and the, the picture and the, the art and all this yeah. stuff looks amazing. And the font, it all goes really well together. It evokes <laughs> this really cool Call of Cthulhu kind of yep. thing going oh, yeah. on. And so many yep. people bought the game based on the image on that box, expecting this yep. like deeply thematic Cthulhu game. Right. And then they started playing it, and it was like, oh, this is... This is kind of silly. Like yeah, this is kind like of a social party. Game, yeah, it's like a party game yeah. kind of thing with some extra. You know, it's 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 a, a hybrid. It's not exactly a party game, and it's not exactly right. you know. But it but it was a lot sillier than people anticipated based on the exactly. cover uh, of the box cover. And so it's it's so important to understand how art direction plays into the marketing and and the expectation of people when they buy your game. If they go in thinking one thing and it gives them something else. That's probably not going to be a good thing, right? They're probably not going to go, yeah, this game is great. Even if it is great, they didn't buy it thinking it was going to be that certain thing. And so you run into maybe bad reviews yeah. you know, and just a, a missed expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely, yeah, there's, there's a lot of validity to that. That is, that's extremely important is, is like properly conveying what your product is. Uh, definitely. It's, it's really funny, uh, your, your Mountains of Madness example. Uh, I had just finished creating a cover for Mountains of Madness, not the game, uh, for the story. Uh, for Fate of the Elder Gods. Mm -hmm. And shortly after I finished making that cover, the 
I think I, I can't remember who published uh, Mountains of Madness, but they they announced it and like started showing pictures of it, and I saw that cover, and I was like. I wish I had painted that. <laughs> like that's so cool. And then and then like the gameplay came out and the game stuff came out and it was just like it sort of fell off the radar for me. It was like it did not uh, convey what I thought it was. Um, but that's to just as a, you know another another point to your example. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a good game. Like it's it's not a bad game by any stretch. It's yeah. just the art, especially yeah. on the cover, just did not line up with the right. type of game that was inside the box. And I think that's something that people don't always understand is that they'll come out with, you know, and I see people in these, especially in, you know, in the, the Facebook communities and everything, they'll say, hey, here, check out the, the image of, you know, for my box. And it's like, oh, man, that looks like a super epic game. They're like, yeah, it plays a 15-minute card game. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, yeah, does exactly. That, does the art, like, project that does someone picking up this at a store go yes this looks like a really good 15 minute card game or do they think man this is like a two-hour thematic experience like you got to be aware of like the perception of of people when they when they look at the cover again that's the first thing they judge that they're going to absolutely 100 percent judge your game by the cover and by the back like the the art and the images you put on the back and the the uh, the copy you know what how you describe the game on the back all those things kind of go into this now do you have any other examples of either good or bad and i don't want to throw a bunch of games under the bus that's not what this is about but it's just being able to point to examples and maybe let's just stay on the good side as opposed to kind of like deride anything uh any good examples any great examples of art direction that just kind of hit on all cylinders yeah so and you can't say spirit out i okay (laughs) that's fair um no, so you can't. I'm just joking. If, like, if you have some things to point to from your own experience, go for it. I was just giving yeah. you a hard time. That, that's something I can get into later about my, my own experience as an, as an artist. It's like the, the type of art direction I got, which was incredible. But as far as uh, like a good example, one that always comes to mind for me, uh, there's a couple that always come to mind for me, but one of is uh, a game that I, I, don't, like, I don't hear a lot of people talking about anymore, but Ashes, the LCG from Plaid Hat. Yeah. Uh, like when that game came out, like it was just the the art was like I think the linchpin for it. Like the, the the game mechanics were cool and it was like it was a solid game, but it was just like the art was so good and it was so and it like immersed you in the world, which is exactly what you want people to uh, you want people to be immersed in a world when you when you make an LCG so or any sort of you know card game expandable card game. So that that's like a an, a, an example that stands out to me. Um, trying to think of one recently. Well, I mean, one of my favorites is Elder Tor, yeah. and we can kind of stay on this Cthulhu oh, path, yeah. I guess. Definitely. You know, oh, uh, Elder yeah. Tor. Which you look at the cover, you're like, man, that looks like a super thematic fight Cthulhu, you know, tooth right. and nail game, yeah. and it is right. It's it's a two hour right. experience, and you're running around the world, and you've got all these stories, and you got all these crazy things happening, and it's like as thematic yeah. as a game can get, really, uh, especially in two hours. And it like yeah. the whole artwork and the way the the characters look, and the way the the monsters look, and the, and the the um, elder right. gods, all that stuff, it just like all comes together to make this really a beautiful, perfect package for what the game yeah. is. And so, absolutely, yeah. So that's one of my favorite examples for sure. Yeah. So, um, man, I, like all I'm thinking of are bad examples right now. Uh, but uh, I like as far as really, really good examples go. Other, um, other really good examples that stand out to me are. Almost, almost any anything from Stonemire always has like really oh, yeah. fantastic uh, art direction, right? Uh, and really is, is like really great at conveying what 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 that game is about. Um, yeah. Scythe, Scythe being kind of an exception because it was it was a little bit like the the art, the art direction came first. of it was different. yeah yeah it, it was, the art came first exactly yeah it was kind of a game direction to go with the art <laughs> right precisely yeah but Jamie uh, one thing about him man he is not going to hold back on like paying for art and paying artists right. and doing right by the the art community like he's he's, he's going to go out there and find the best of the best and he's going to make that what the game looks like 
and he's yeah. gonna, he's going to pay for it, right? And and yeah. it shows, and it, it turns into what we see with Stonemaier games and why they're so popular. Because I mean, you walk by them and they're sitting on the table, you're like, wow, that game looks amazing. I want to play that. And then you get into yes. the game, and the game's also good too. Like you can't just have good right. art; like you have to have yes. the f- the full package. But yeah, Jamie Precisely. is not afraid to. He, he's not going to cut corners. And I right. think that's one of the things that, that people love about him, his company, and his games. It's like he, you know that this guy has put in the time and the effort and the energy right. and the money to make the best product possible. And, and I think that's another thing with Art Direction. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, don't just kind of right. half, halfway. You know, I, I, right. I was looking at some games the other day, and uh, just kind of like, I like bouncing around the internet and checking out people's websites and their games and yeah. stuff they're working on, all that stuff. And it's kind of funny how sometimes, like, words get thrown around just because it makes people sound good. And I think mm-hmm. Art Direction is one of those things sometimes. Like, where people are like, yeah, right. I'm, I did the Art Direction for this game. And you go and you look at the game, and it's like, yeah, that looks like a bunch of clip art you pulled off the internet for free, and you put on some cards in a box, man. Like, I don't know if I'd tell people that. Like, I don't think, right, right. You know, and I know you, oh, I, you know, it's, it looks good on a resume, so to speak, if, if it's on paper. But, like, is that is that really art direction? Like, just finding Google Images and, and copy and pasting. I don't know if that, I guess technically it is art direction, if that's the direction you want to go. But, like, kind of tell me the, right. give me the spectrum, as far as, in your mind. The, the spectrum for? Like, <laughs> Jamie Stegmeyer on one end of the spectrum oh, and, and clip art gotcha. on cards on the other end. Like, help me understand because I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm not an art director. I'm just a guy that kind of sees things from the outside looking in. So kind of help me right. understand what the spectrum really should be. So, so the spectrum, as far as like tabletop games goes, I, I definitely, I feel like I have to put magic on the far end of the spectrum, magic mm-hmm. the gathering on the far end of the spectrum, because they have been doing the most phenomenal art direction and the, just the, like they have the, some of the, the best art in the, tabletop industry uh i and, and they've become kind of a standard for it so I, I feel like i have to put them on on one of the spectrum uh but again like that's a card game so i mean as far as you know board games go um is it that different i don't i don't think it's that di- i honestly i don't think it's that different yeah. i'm sure people would argue with me but i don't i don't think it's that different right because um, i mean i guess it extends because now you have a board and now you have like more right. there's more stuff maybe there's components right. that, you know that's another thing to think about the tokens and the icons and all that stuff they all have to mesh together like you can't have yeah. anything sticking out otherwise it's gonna be real obvious like i feel like with good art direction people don't notice that it's good art direction like that's the thing right they don't they don't sit down and go well they they really did good art direction here no that's not what happens <laughs> but if it's bad and you sit down and go yeah. wow who was the art director for this and so i think it's one of those things the better you do it the less people are yep. aware of it and and so maybe right. that's kind of the maybe that's the spectrum. Maybe that's the standard. Is when someone sits down to play your game, they don't notice. Like it all just kind of it all just works together. It meshes together and yeah. it brings them into this fully, uh, fully evocative emotional experience, so to speak. And that sounds kind of crazy. You're talking about board games, but you know what I'm saying, right? Right. But if it's bad art direction, I think people yeah. notice it a lot more. And so maybe that's what, oh, absolutely. how we should do it. Um, let's talk about from a publishing standpoint because it seems like. Fantasy Flight has a very specific art direction for their games. And it seems like we just talked about Stonemaier Games. Very, very interesting, very specific art direction for, you know, for their games. Like to the point where there's some publishers, you pick it up on, on a shelf. You don't even have to see the logo. You know who published it. Like you know what right. game it is. And so talk right. to me about the importance of that. Is it important for a publishing company to kind of have this, this typical uh, branding, so to speak, of the art style and all that? And not necessarily like Coke. Right? Coke has that specific red and every, right. every you know, it's always going to be that red and no other red. Sure. Uh, but how important is it for a company as a whole to maybe kind of think about the same thing? I personally, I think it's extremely important for uh, whenever anybody is publishing a game to consider the entire game as a product, right? So that doesn't just come down to the art on the box. It comes down to the UI, the layout of the graphic design on the box and things like that. And so, yeah, like Fantasy Flight has it really hasn't figured out. And, and there's lots of other companies that have a really good grasp on 
on like on what their products should look like, like and what the, like how their products should look consistently. And I think that's that's extremely important. Just like taking uh, and like looking at your game as a as a product and not just as like a, a vessel for art and mechanics. Yeah, definitely. But it even seems like it's it's not even just a product. It's almost it's a line, right? It's the whole yeah, line yeah. has the very similar yep. feel to it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I want to go back and talk a little bit more about ashes. You brought that up. And okay. it, it reminded me. I, I read this quote. Um, earlier today, actually, I was doing a little research trying to figure out, you know, what, what should we talk about? Where, you know, where, where should we go? And I read this yeah. quote that I thought was really interesting from a guy who's an art director, and he works with like TV and film. But this is what he says: mm-hmm. Somehow, what is ordinary in real life looks lifeless in print or on TV. Visuals mm-hmm. often need to be larger than life just to look ordinary. Images need the spectacular turned up to ten to have any chance of catching your eye. And going back to Ashes, I think that's what they did. I think that's what they realized. There are so many games that are like Ashes. Yeah. Like Ashes is not yeah. that. It's not revolutionary hardly at all. Like there's very yeah. very few new, if any new, like mechanisms and way to do. This. I mean, it's it's a right. card game. Magic has been around since like 1998 or 93, yeah. like in the 90s, right? I mean, it's been around it's a really long nice. time. Yeah, I think, yeah. 93, yeah. And so, yeah, it just hit the 25th year anniversary, I think. And so, yeah. like you're going against magic, you know? It's it's like, yeah. wh- how are you going to stand out? And because it's right. probably not going to be with mechanics. Like magic has so many mechanisms in it already. Like there's there's been tons and tons and tons of different mechanisms the way they do cards and the way things come right. out and all that good stuff. And then you're running up against all of these other CCGs, LCGs, all the the, the CGs, right? Yes. And so, what are you going to do to stand out? And I think. What Colby Dowk and Plat Hat Games, what they realize is we're going to have just the best art you can possibly imagine for a card game. And right. that's one of the ways we're going to stand out. When people walk by the table, they go, oh, that looks like a, a regular old you know, 1v1 card game. But wow, it looks amazing. And then they kind of get drawn right. in that way. And so let's talk about you know, kind of that quote that you have to turn things up to 10 just to be noticed, right? If you do things that look yes. normal, but they're, they're going to look less than normal in print or you know in a card or a board so talk yeah. to me a little bit as far as what you found is in your art direction experience with how do you do that how do you turn these things up to 10 so that they get noticed so they get remembered and so that we're talking like we're talking about ashes right now because of this so how do you do that to the point where people like remember it and talk about it right so i mean uh one, one of the one of the ways that i always start with with my art direction is like thinking about you know the the game or the story whatever it is and like how uh how i can differentiate if there's characters in the game like what makes these characters different right and so like what makes them different from your standard trope and then taking whatever that difference is and and doing exactly what that quote says like you know amplifying it to 10 right uh you know as as an example like there's a we had a game uh that i did art direction for that had a cleric character in it right and you can have a a normal cleric and it'll look like any other cleric from D D or something like that but we decided like this cleric this character would be really cool if he had been ripped in half by demons and then had had been reassembled by dwarves right so half of him is mechanical right yeah. and so you have this like ridiculous concept that you can then you know use to channel uh ridiculous like you know very over the top art if, if you know you want to go for that over the top art but uh even even just on a on a basic level having having some something unique that uh that'll that will drive having unique story having unique characters having unique items whatever whatever there is in your game um, having something uh, that stands out a little bit uh, will help drive the artwork for it. Yeah, completely. And I think this is something that a lot of Euro games run into, and this is yeah. a problem, right? Uh, it's, yeah. it's almost like brown the game, right? Everything's brown yeah. and tan yep. and like all these like earth tones, which is, it makes sense. It's realistic. That's what they look like yeah. in real life. That's what the, the you know area of the map of the world looks like in real life. But that doesn't right. mean it looks good in a game. It actually probably means it doesn't look good in a game. And so I think you have to be careful of doing things too realistic, too too like normal, because yes. again, once that's in print, it, it looks 
uh, it looks less than normal. It looks subnormal. It looks yeah. odd. It looks you know not not enticing to the eye or to the brain. And so I think that's something just to just to realize. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people think certain Euro games are bland or they're dry or they're boring. Right. It's because that that's what their brain is registering just by the images that they're seeing. And so it's not yeah. even necessarily the mechanisms or the gameplay or thematicness you know whatever. It's it's right from the beginning. The box it has all these frowning people on the outside, right? And yeah. then on the inside it's like brown and these light shades of things. It's like ugh, you, know, you, you just kind of you don't get pulled into it. And let's talk about that. Right. What has been your experience with box covers, <laughs> and why do you think so many people are frowning on so many game covers? Right, <laughs> that's uh, that's a good question. I have no idea why so many people are frowning. <laughs> I'd much rather see people smiling. On box right. It's not like old school where you had to stand there and for them to take your picture, you know, it took an hour. And so if you moved, right. you mess it up. Like that, that's not the case anymore. So like, what's going on? Yeah, it would have been acceptable to frown then. But, right. uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, that's that's a really good question. I think there's, uh, the, I mean, th- th- there's all sorts of w- different ways that that you can approach box covers, especially based on what your like what your game is and like what like what sort of uh, you know tone or experience you're trying to convey with it. But uh, like, I, I think there. So, so actually, something that's been on my mind a lot lately is there has been a uh, sort of mentality, like an old school mentality in the hobby industry in general that so many people uh, like see like, oh, this works for somebody else. So I'm going to do that same thing. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so you've, you've, you have like the, the types of types of illustrations have been around forever that have made uh, like movie posters what they are since like the 60s and 70s and 80s and like that style of illustration and it just like continues to bleed over into the the rest of the entertainment industry so when you have covers with like a bunch of a bunch of people on them and they're just like frowning and like looking at you it's like well that's that's a formula that's been working for freaking ever so um, yeah that I, I think that's that's probably a big big draw for people but then if you look at some of like probably the top uh like i mean if you, if you wouldn't look at the hotness on bgg it would be way different yeah. than than any of those things um uh like i, I think one, one of the big important things uh that one one important thing that makes things on on that, that are in like the top 10 stand out is that they are like way different than the formula uh breaking breaking the mold is, is extremely important yeah, definitely. And I think parity, like you're saying, make, plays a big role. Is that people, they want to be safe because, I mean, this is yep. business and they don't want to lose money. And so they're thinking, right. okay, we're going to kind of follow what these other people have done and we're going to yeah. do the same. And there, there's a lot to be said for that. Like that's that's not necessarily a bad way to go. But at the same time, you're not ever going to do a smash hit doing it right. that way, right? You're going right. to play it safe. It's kind of like, you know, getting certain jobs. There are certain jobs that you can yeah. count on. Like the factory's not yeah. going to close, so to speak. Uh, and, right. and you can count <laughs> on that paycheck and you're not going to be a millionaire. But you're going to have a right. steady job, a steady paycheck, steady benefits, all that kind of thing. And that's, that's fine. That's a perfectly fine way to live. But if you want to do something different, then I think you, you have to be willing to fail, first of all. And then right. and you have to be willing to be really different and have people not like it. I think that's one thing we, we've run into with kind of culturally is that yeah. we, we're so afraid to offend people and we're so afraid to kind of get out there on the, on the edge of things because we yeah. don't want to get shot down. And there's so much trolling on the Internet. And, you know, the comments on different things just, they destroy people. And so I feel like there's a lot of people that are kind of scared, that are kind right. of fearful about pushing the envelope, so to speak. And, yeah. and it's unfortunate but at the same time like you just said the people that are pushing the envelope are the ones that people are talking the most about and so right. you know it's just an interesting uh, conundrum that we live in you know i, w- I was thinking of a great example of this because uh, i've been playing it a lot this weekend is the mind i don't know if you've had a chance to check this out no i saw the uh, review on dice tower it looks like a really interesting game oh my gosh yeah it's uh, the, uh so like the game is amazing uh and like everybody's saying it's like how how is this how how did they how is this doing this right now because uh, it's it's literally just play cards in order like play cards from one to 100 in order and mm-hmm. but like 
the the game is just like a, a really weird it's like and there's like some mechanics or like there's some rules in the game that just like make it super weird and make players kind of uncomfortable honestly uh and then the artwork on it is also just really weird and i like i looked at it the first couple times i was playing i was like i can't stand this artwork but i'm loving playing this game so much and like it just it all fits it just all makes sense it's just weird it's this weird experience and it conveys that like the game is an, ex- an experience the art is a, a weird experience and it's just like it's perfect I'm, I'm sure, yeah, like, I, I know, like, a lot of people, anyways, but. Yeah, and that's something that I think people have to realize. Like, don't be weird just for weird sake. Like, don't go out there and do a certain kind of art just because you want to do a certain kind of art. Like, it's got to make sense, and that's that's where the word direction comes in. Like, what is the vision that you're trying to accomplish? Because just going out there and being provocative, being weird, you know, doing certain things just to kind of get attention, uh, it's probably not going to work in the long run. Like, maybe you'll get a quick pop of attention. You'll get, like, some eyes on you for a moment, but it, it's not going to stand the, the test right. of time because it, it doesn't all, like, kind of flow together. Like, you're talking about with the mind, like we are talking about with fantasy flight games, different things. Like, those things flow together, and you, you, you kind of right. just feel a certain thing about them. So don't yeah. be weird just for weird sake. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about, you, you mentioned some of your, you know, you had some experiences you want to kind of share, uh, you talked about it earlier. Let's talk about, like, how you get good at art direction. Because this is not just something that you wake up one day and you're good at. And it's not necessarily something right. that, that you can right. just read one book and then you know all the information there is to know. Like, that doesn't work. And so, like, how do you yeah. get good at this kind of thing? And then kind of talk about some of your, your real, life, real life examples. Yeah, definitely. Well, when I get good at it, I will let you know, Gabe. Uh, right. <laughs> still, still training. Yeah, I understand. You've not arrived yet, but like, you know, you're, you're a lot farther along than 99% of the people listening to this and definitely farther, farther along than I am. So kind of help me understand how you yeah. got where you are. So one of the big things that helped me was uh, just really like paying attention to other uh, other art directors and what and what what they're doing like uh, as an artist whenever i got art direction it was like okay what like deconstructing that like what what about this made this project good what about it made it really easy um, and just on top of that also um, researching other other art direction and other other artists and that sort of thing uh, something really cool that magic used to do was they would release uh, some prompts that they would send to their artists right and and they would and you could go read like essentially they were like art director journals or art director diaries right of of how how this card got from point a to point b yeah. starting with this block of text that the, the art director sent an artist uh, and it, it's super cool uh to to be able to read that that sort of stuff and 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 uh see how other people uh, are, are approaching art direction um on top of that i i spend a, a ton of time uh on like things like Pinterest and that sort of stuff, like just acquiring uh, images and and uh, and just taking in a lot of uh, content uh, to to sort of help and, and thinking about it too, like consciously consuming this content, being like, why do I like this? Like, what about this is good? What about this conveys the thing that I want to convey in my art direction? Right? Why is this a good example or something like that? So uh, consciously like consuming other art and other art direction is is a big big part. Yeah, definitely. Pinterest not just for soccer moms anymore, man. Oh, no. No, no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a place that, that I go sometimes when I'm looking for game ideas or looking just yeah. for something to kind of spur a little bit of a yeah, spur a little bit of an idea just to kind of, kind of get moving, right? Sometimes you get stuck, and it helps just to get online and look at what other people have done and figure out, absolutely. okay, what, what did you do? Why did you do that? How did you do that? And that yeah. kind of thing. Now, Magic is an incredible case study. This would be super right. interesting for somebody to turn. I don't know. Maybe it already has uh, like a book on how oh, to do it, right? Because they're, right. they're not working with two or three artists. They're working with thousands of artists over the last 25 right. years. Thousands right. of artists. Right. And at the same time, their game all feels cohesive. 
the, yes. uh, everything kind of it, it fits, and you can tell the artist is different. You know, this card to that card, you can tell the art style is different. But it's not like crazy different. It, it's mm-hmm. it's not that big of a, a change. It's it's enough where it stays kind of in the same realm of oh yeah, this is obviously a magic card. This is obviously art from magic. And so like I've even seen yeah. people use um, illustrations from magic cards on their sell sheets, you know, and saying hey, yeah. this is kind of theme I'm yeah. going for. And it's like oh yeah, that's that's a card from magic. I've never seen the card in magic, but I can tell by the art style that that's definitely a card from magic. And so it's amazing exactly. that they've been able to do that for the last twenty five years. And so like anything that they figured out how to do if you can emulate that as an art director you're probably on the right track because yeah. they have they've made the mistakes and so you can kind of uh, learn from what they where they are now precisely yeah no that's a really good point they have a, they have a very specific style that they look for uh they have a very specific like level of, of of skill and quality that they look for and then they also have very specific things that they that they want in their cards and it's it's hard to like uh as like as an outsider with not much uh knowledge of it like look at a magic card and be like oh this is why it's a magic card or this is why it's this thing it's like oh it's like all all magic cards have like really uh really strong silhouettes of like their character or whatever like on on this half of the card or this part of the card right and and there's like almost a formula to the things that they look for in uh or that they that they want to see on their card and and they want artists that can capture that and and like you said too they've been doing it for 25 years which means they've also had 25 years to perfect that that idea yeah, absolutely. Now I think another place, and this is something that is, is kind of lost on us in 2018, and I think it, it's really tragic, is the old school art. Like way yeah. back before, you know, obviously before the internet, before iPhones. Yeah. But you know, we, we kind of think of we think of everything in terms of like how we're experiencing life now. But if you right. look back in the day, and this is like before even like books were a big deal. Like this is back when the printing press hadn't been invented. You know, <laughs> when when you when books were rare and extremely expensive, and most people couldn't read anyway. And so you had artists that were painting these amazing pictures but they're not painting a it's not really painting a picture they're painting a story like they're telling a story through a painting and so it's this thing that does not move it's it's not going to be changed again like once they're done it's done you hang it on the wall but it is this incredible story going on and and it's one of those things i was talking to somebody i don't know this is a while back it was a student and they like they could not understand art museums they're like i don't understand why people go to an art museum and how they can just like stand and look at a painting for five minutes i was like man you could stand and look at some paintings for your entire lifetime and never understand everything going on i'm not kidding there's been times where i've gone to art museums and just stood in front of a painting for 20 or 30 minutes and and the group with is just like so sick of me and (laughs) it's it's so true though yeah yeah i mean because there's so many stories in there if you were to just study the the stories that picasso was telling in his paintings that's that's an an entire lifetime work, work worth of work and more. Like a number of yeah. lifetimes to really grasp even just part of the stories he was conveying in his paintings. It's just amazing. And so I feel like right. going back and studying those paintings. If you think about the the Last Supper, right? That painting that, that you know way yeah. back when is one of the most popular, most uh, referenced paintings ever. It's got like 500 different stories going on in that one painting. Like there's so right. many things going on with the different characters and where they're looking and what they're eating and what they're doing and all these different things. And just to go back and study those things and really try to grasp what was going on, I feel right. like can help somebody, whether you're an artist or an art director, really level up how good you are at this, at this, uh, yeah. at this skill, at this craft, at this art form, because you're learning to tell stories. You're not just painting a thing. And I feel like that could go a long way with card games or board games, anything like that, where you're really trying to evoke theme or trying to evoke a story. Well, figure out right. how other people did it before you. Now, do you have any, are you talking about, you know, you, you like going to art museums. Do you have any like that you've really learned from, or have you studied any kind of art forms or art or artists from the past that you're like, yeah, this really helped yeah. me level up my game. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, I was actually just going to add, add to your, 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 uh, your, your earlier comment about like uh, Picasso and, and that sort of thing with uh, the, there's uh, a, a group of um, American painters that were like traveling America during that like 
the the group existed from like 1800s to the early 1900s, and uh, they're they're known as the like, Hudson Valley River Painting School, I believe. Okay. Um, but there's and there's all sorts of people who who went through this, and they and and you look at all of their artwork. Uh, they they did a, a lot of it was landscapes. Um, they but they what they were doing is they were traveling around the uh, around the the U.S. Uh, and a, as it was developing, right, like early 1800s, traveling out to the west uh, to the Pacific Northwest when it was still just like not uh, developed or anything, like it was still you know very harsh and and that sort of stuff, and and capturing what they saw there, and it's utterly unbelievable what they captured. And like you you look at this and and while some of their paintings are fictional representations of the U.S. It's like it's it's incredible. Like this is the this is the country that you know I live in, and, and like that the, their interpretations of it is, is absolutely beautiful. And like they and they captured lots of uh, you know indigenous people and things like that and, and that sort of stuff and and or all sorts of other things to go go into their their sort of uh, painting school and painting philosophy and that. Uh, I think that's a, they're there's there's somebody they're they're painters who are who've really inspired me a lot. Um, and then on on the flip side, as far as uh, uh, characters go, uh, I absolutely adore uh, Norman Rockwell and 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 J.C. Leindecker, mm-hmm. who are some some old school. And these are some you know old school illustrators uh, who are just they, I think they were like the top of their game for 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 creating for for telling telling story and conveying emotion through the the people that they were drawing. Um, uh, another another artist on top of that was uh, John Singer Sargent, uh, was just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Uh, so yeah, uh, and, and it's it's neat too. Like I, I mean, back, going back to the Hudson Valley River School, uh, they they did a lot of fictional landscapes of the America. Like they, they would go travel through throughout America, see see the landscapes, and then paint their own interpretations of it. And so they they turned out really fan, fantastic. Like they they were very, like very almost like fantasy landscapes. And um, I just yeah, I love it. Yeah, very cool, man. And going back to like Rockwell, he he was a guy that could take one magazine cover or whatever he was painting, mm-hmm. illustrating, yeah. and he could tell yep. such an incredible story about American right. culture, a slice of life uh, from the yeah. culture in that one painting or one illustration. Yep. And and it's just like four or five characters on the page, but you you see like fifty different stories, different things going on, different cultural things happening. And so yeah, I feel like for people to study that stuff and really comprehend what was going on, because it was not just somebody painting what they thought about in their head. And like, there's something else right. going on here. There are stories being told through the art. Yeah, absolutely. The Renaissance painters, you know, like, like Da Vinci, Michelangelo and stuff like that, those are obviously really well known as they are the masters, right? But there's also, yeah, a whole slew of, uh, you know, uh, other uh, other cultures and other uh, other artists and things like that that, that really, uh, I, like, have inspired my, uh, my my art direction and, like, my, my art in general, Um and actually, you know what? I want to go. I want to go on. I, I mentioned other cu- cultures. That I think is also another really important uh, piece of this is that uh, studying other cultures' art uh, is the only thing it's going to do is help uh, improve your uh, anything, like your grasp on art and art direction and that sort of thing. Um, and seeing seeing what other cultures are producing is is so important. Uh, yeah, for sure. And this, yeah. especially if you're doing a, like a cultural game, like if you're doing a game that's based oh, on yeah. samurai warriors, like you need to understand what that really is. It, it's not the, right. necessarily the the fictional cartoon idea that we have. And if that's the right. know, if that's the direction you want to go, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it, like you're saying, you need to study these other cultures and these other art forms if you really want a right. full grasp of what you're trying to accomplish, as opposed to just kind of putting some some sketches out there you know in your game like if you really want to take this seriously and you really want to make this thing as good as it can possibly be then yeah studying these other cultures their arts right. why they did things the stories that they were telling in their art that kind of thing is definitely the way to go 
Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the art that other, the other cultures have made, the art that, the, that your culture has made is, is such a great uh, way to learn and, 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 and help inspire you. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's super important. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about psychology. Have you done any research on like the psychology of the, of the human brain, the human face, different things? Because I know like I've studied marketing. I've taught marketing in, in one of my yeah. uh, classes here at school. And one thing we talk about is are right, people like they, they respond different ways to pictures. Like, for instance, if, if you look at a picture and it has a person in there that is looking at something, your eyes are naturally drawn to whatever that person's looking at, right? And that's just natural biology. Like if, if you see a crowd of people looking up and you walk up to them, you're going to look up too to see what they're looking at. That's just how our brains work, just biologically. Yeah. You know, just kind of how we have been for forever. And so now that's kind of how it comes across with pictures. So uh, if you want someone to look at something on your website, then you need to put a picture on your website of someone looking in that direction because their eye will be naturally drawn to whatever they're looking at and things like that. So like what other things have you yeah. seen psychologically that people can take from an art direction standpoint so that's actually it's a really good question i uh i, I recently just wrote a big a big document for just for myself about uh the uh kind of the the mood and uh the mood and tones and emotions that colors convey and then on top of that what uh sort of what sort of symbols and uh and uh, and shapes and things like that associate with those with those moods those those emotions that that sort of thing and uh so i, I think like color color theory is is really interesting when it comes to just uh the, the being able to convey things on a subconscious level uh so i was doing this as sort of a marketing and branding exercise uh, right i was i was wanting to learn about this but it applies to art as well uh if if you want your if, if you want your piece to to feel positive and 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 uh, and you you or you want you want the cover of your game to uh to to pull people in and, and make them feel comfortable like it, you might want to use warmer tones in it because those are those are colors that you know generally tend to evoke those emotions uh and and that sort of thing i think that i think that's a really interesting topic yeah now tell me a little bit more about color theory that that's basically the the concept that certain colors create certain emotions right so kind of tell right. me more in depth about just in general what that is yeah so i mean you you've got uh I, so all, all sorts of colors create all sorts of different emotions depending on on like what you use them in and what you pair them with and that and that and that sort of thing so um what a, a color in in, in on one on one image might convey something completely different than a color on uh, another image, and then on top of that, you have like colors next to each other do like create different emotions and, and create different uh, have different effects on people and that sort of stuff. Like uh, when when you put you know certain colors next to each other, it might make people uncomfortable just the fact that those colors are next to each other uh, because they're you know uh, they, they they don't tend to you don't tend to see that very often in nature or something like that, right? Like uh, there's there's all sorts of uh, like weird things that you could play with with people's emotions and color and and on top of that shapes and like you said uh lines like with shapes and lines when it comes to uh when it comes to creating artwork and creating uh like if, you, if you're creating a cover for a game or you're di art directing uh somebody to create a cover for a game uh playing with it. And, and usually this, this falls on the on the artist but like it, it's important as an art director to be able to be like hey i really want this part of the image i want this part of the cover i this is central to the game and it's central to the feeling and experience i want that to you know i want the the image to to uh pull people in the in that direction like if, if your logo is really important like or the, the title of the game is really important you want people to have their eyes drawn to that yeah, for sure. All right, now let's talk about like icons and kind of more graphic design because that, that's yeah. all in here too, right? It's not just oh, yeah. the oh, yeah, yeah. you know the pretty pictures; it's Definitely. also the the pretty icons. And so, like, yeah. tell me your your thoughts, your ideas on icons and graphic design, how kind of how it all flows together in art direction. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am, I, I will, I will say I'm, I am not the best graphic designer in the world. I have experience with it and I know how to do it, but I, I did not practice it. I didn't study it or well, anything. Well, it's hard like to be that, good so at both art and graphic design. Like if someone says they're good I, at both. Like yeah. you, I'm really skeptical. Unless your name's Ryan Lockett, I don't trust it. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's a couple other artists too in the, in the industry that, that are just like killing it on both graphic design and, and, uh, um, or I think like I think Quan Chai Mariah uh, also does in his own most of his own graphic design. Uh, like I, I'm not positive about that, but it, that somebody else who comes to mind too. Um, so yeah, I mean as far as uh, iconography and, and UX design, like that's that's a whole other beast in and of itself. But but uh, as for an art director to to be like I I need I need this. It's it's important to have an understanding of. Of UX design, uh, and and that and that uh, is something that can be learned from you know many different things. And it doesn't even come down to uh, board games or video games. There's you you use uh, there's user interfaces in literally everything that we do, right? Uh, how people you you have to have like a, an understanding of how people are going to interact with 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 your thing. And and more often than not, I feel like I I find that my my concept of it because I'm so close to a project is not actually the right one, right? So like it, it's really important to to like. Uh, test things and 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 see how other people react to uh, the the work that you're that you're creating or the work that uh, you're going to put on a game. Yeah. Now, any advice as far as like making sure the icons and the artwork do go together so that it just kind of flows all together as this one cohesive thing? Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if you can get an an, an artist that can that can do the art and artwork, uh, the art, artwork and uh, graphic design, that's that's fantastic. Uh, as far as having like having a a graphic designer that has a little bit of that has like a, a background in in more illustrative uh work right like you're we're not necessarily for, when it comes to designing game components and ux and that sort of stuff you're not necessarily designing uh packaging right you're you're, you're not trying to draw when it comes to your cards right you're not trying to draw people in and and uh and, and like have them want to pick that card up off of a shelf you want them to be able to quickly discern information from it uh, so, so like, it's really important that you differentiate between that and like, you know, good graphic design on packaging and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Now, as far as like, let's say I was working on a Wild West game and I have an artist yeah. who, you know, is really good at the Western theme and cowboys and all that stuff. And then sure. I need to hire a, a, a graphic designer to do the icons for these, you know, for the revolver and for the horse and all that stuff. Right. What would, you know, you're an art director. It's so like, what would you yeah. do to kind of bridge the gap between those two to make sure that the cards, it, it, so it looks good, you know, so it doesn't look like, wow, this graphic design does not match the art at all. Cause I've seen that happen and it's right. kind of off putting. And it's one of those things like if you notice it, it's bad. If you don't notice it, it's good. Right. And so like, what would yeah. you do to kind of bridge the gap between those two people? So as, as an art director, I often will just test a lot of my, uh, a lot of my ideas, like, right? Like before I go and seek out another graphic designer, I'll be like, I'm going to try putting this together and see how it looks before I send that idea off to somebody else. And, and whatever I'm doing is very rudimentary. It's very rough, right? Cause I'm trying to do it quick and just like see how it works, but I'll, I'll grab uh, free icons and that sort of stuff to, it, it, you know, honestly, essentially I'm like creating, creating a, a pitch or a sell sheet or something, right. As uh, to put it in like you know a designer terms of like this is what i'm looking or this is what i want you to to be able to to accomplish right like this is my this is my base concept my rough idea and like i want you to take it from here and 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 develop develop that concept so i i like to do a lot of uh testing when and practice when it comes to uh uh creating uh, or, or coming up with ideas for for graphic design and that sort of stuff um, and I, I think, like, if I had more experience with it, I, it would probably be easier for me to just, like, uh, verbally convey what I'm looking for. But because I don't, I have to I have to visualize it first before I can verbally convey it. Whereas when it comes to art, I can I fairly easily verbally convey what I'm looking for most times. 
Yeah. Now you mentioned testing it a few times. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? What does it look like to play test, so to speak, the mm -hmm. graphic design or the artwork or the art direction? How do you play test yeah. that? So I see, I think that's really important. It's actually, I'm at, I'm at, uh, you know, protospiel right now. And, and there's, there's been a, a lot of times where, where people it'll come up and be like, Oh, this doesn't read very well. And it's like, it's important. I, I think it's really important even at a, at a prototype level, uh, of design, like an early, early stage development level to, uh, be thinking about how your graphic design is going to is going to read and it's again important to just to if, if you have zero experience with it uh look at what other look at what works for other people right consume other games consciously like when you play a game think about what uh what makes that graphic design work and think about what makes uh the packaging design on something on another game work right and so that then take that and and try it yourself and see how people react to it and be receptive to how people react to it, right? If, if people don't like it, then like the, find out, you know, why, what, what it is about it that's not working for them and, and, and see how you can alter it and see how you can, how you can change it and, and, and grow from that. And it, it's, it's all a lot of trial and error. Nobody wakes up. I, 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 I am a firm believer that nobody wakes up like an artist. Nobody, nobody's born an artist. Nobody's born uh, just a, a graphic designer or something like that. It takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. And maybe there's people who are more, you know, uh, who are naturally better at it than others but like for me it just it took a ton of work and a ton of hard work a ton of practice every single day uh to to learn what i learn the things i did and so if if if, if that's you know in, even even on uh you know a, like if, if you're not trying to be an art director or if you're not trying to be an artist or graphic designer and you just want to know how to convey it it still helps to to throw yourself into it it still helps to learn and understand how how this works so yeah i think that's really important yeah, for sure. And then just like every other aspect of game design, you, you test it, you see what works, you test it, you see what works, you test it, you see what works, and you repeat Precisely. over and over and over again until you hit a deadline and then you ship it. Right. And yeah. so like, <laughs> you know, just, just like everything else, you just got to keep working yeah. and figuring out what works and what doesn't and then go from there. Yeah. Wow. Nolan, this has been really good, man. Uh, any kind of closing advice or closing thoughts for somebody who's thinking about art direction or working on a game that, you know, trying to direct the art right now? What would you tell them? Yeah, I would, I, you know, I'm just going to repeat some of the things that I've said uh, a couple times here is that like, uh, be conscious about what you're consuming and, you know, uh, think about what makes, you know, the, the, the next hot game that you buy, think about what makes it a good game. Uh, and then also put, put the work in, put, put the hours in, put the practice in, you know, you, if, if you want to create something great, you have to grind, you have to, you have to learn and you have to, you have to constantly be, uh, improving yourself and improving your skills. Awesome. Nolan, man, really appreciate your time. We're about to head over into a bonus round. We're going to talk about developing games with licensed IPs in mind. So what it looks like to be looking for games that you know you can retheme with a licensed IP and that kind of thing. So uh, if you want to check that out, it'll be on the, in the bonus round. But Nolan, yeah, man, again, thanks for coming on the show, and good luck with everything you got going on right now. Likewise, thank you so much for having me, Gabe. This has been great. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?